I can remember in college when I was doing the Army ROTC program, I was on the Army ROTC scholarship, and as part of this scholarship, I, in my freshman year, received a monthly stipend of $100. I will tell you, it felt like a genuine windfall. For an activity that I am required to show up and do, you're going to give $100 on top of that? Now, by the end of freshman year, end of that spring semester, $100 was feeling a little tight. A little t- Fortunately, sophomore year, they bump it to 150 I was ready for that 150 and that was feeling good. And then by the end of spring semester, sophomore year, good thing they up at the 200 at the junior level. 200 felt really good. And then nothing in my expenses was, was changing appreciably from year to year. There wasn't rapid inflation. There was nothing. But I'm telling you, by the end of junior year, just that 200 was tight. 250 would be really good. Whew. Fortunately, senior year, stipends 250 a month. What is it about money? At small amounts and big amounts, it always seems we don't have quite enough. Or maybe not nearly enough. That sense can be all the more acute these days with high inflation, falling markets, fears of a recession. Right? These are wreaking havoc on budgets and bills, on hearts and minds. Not enough is a sentiment for many these days. And in today's passage from Timothy, we hear a word about money, command them not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Verse 11 adds, and I'm reading this from the message translation, but you, Timothy, man of God, run for your life from the love of money. Okay, well, apparently Timothy may have some love of money issues, but not not us. I mean, yes, Money is in the news. It is on our hearts and minds and, and concerns a lot. But, 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 but our money issues are, are, are about making it, are about having enough, about paying the bills, the tuition, the, the debt. The... What is love again? Surely it's an attentiveness, a focus. If we love someone or something, we, we, place, we place a real trust in that. If market fluctuations consume our attention or cause literal tension in our stomach muscles, if worries about getting more or having more or keeping up with, with commitments or the lifestyle we have, or if it causes literal stress to the body, churning of the mind that just cannot stop, then on one hand, we're probably like a whole lot of other people these days. And also, maybe the more than we usually consider, we do put some real hope and trust in more money somehow being what could save us. And perhaps a part of us says, so what? Yeah, money stresses us out. 
You know what? Yes, we do put some real trust and hope that money could make things better and get us to a better place. And, and you know, if we're honest, we like the security that money brings. And having a little bit more money gives us a little better sense of control over life. So what if, if, if we want to focus on money given what it, it, it seems to offer? Is anyone familiar with the, the 1886 short story entitled, How Much Land Does a Man Need? Leo Tolstoy, <laughs> the Russian writer. We got one who might know how this story ends. Y'all consider, how much does a man need? I'm going to give you the abridged version of the story while you think about that. Uh, Pahom was a peasant, and one day he declared, with enough land... We would have nothing to fear, not even the devil himself. So this peasant, he's able uh, soon thereafter, by, by fortune, uh, to acquire 30 acres from a woman who happened to be selling at a good price. What a wonderful expanse, except for all these other peasants who, who keep trampling over his 30 acres. And he starts fining them and taking them to court. It gets really ugly, contentious. He gets resentful of this cramped life on these 30 acres. Fortunately, here's word a little south. Uh, there's a community where every family member who shows up to the community gets 25 acres free. Oh, man, how wonderful. So they, they get all this land, but I mean, it's not theirs outright. They have to farm it on behalf of the owner. And Pahom, he really wants, he really wants his own land. Well, he gets word of this peculiar people, faraway land, who have... Um, from whom people have secured lavish amounts of land for really little money. Well, Pahom, he arrives, and the elder of this particular community tells Pahom that for a thousand rubles, Pahom can have as much land as he is able to circumnavigate in one day. The rule is this. Pahom can walk as far and as wide as he can go in one day as long as he is back to his starting spot by sunset. He's given a spade so he can mark the land as he goes. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. Baholm's a strong man in good condition, eager to see what he can get. Now, he does have a strange dream the night before he heads out. He, he dreams of seeing the devil laughing at this near-naked man lying dead at his feet. Baholm's terrified to see the dead man's pahom. Well, he shakes that up, gets up in the morning, eagerly sets out to claim that land. Despite the growing heat, he's able to get in a good six miles distance, shed some clothing, able to go even further, 10 miles. Sits for the first time for a little bit of food and drink, and he's really tiring, but he says, ah, an hour to suffer, a lifetime to live. He goes on. He begins thinking maybe turning around would be a good idea, but then there's just this little plot of land that's beautiful and visible to him. And so it goes a little further. It'd be a shame if his family couldn't enjoy that, that piece as well. Well, eventually he sees the sun is definitely nodding downward. He turns. He began running, threw away his coat, his boots, his flask, his cap, kept only the spade, which he used as a support. His soaking shirt and trousers stuck to him. His mouth was parched. His breast was working like a blacksmith's bellows. His heart was beating like a hammer. His legs were giving way if they, as if they did not belong to him. 
The sun was low, but he was oh so close, and, and the people were cheering at the hillside where he had started, come on, come on. He's making his way up the hill as the sun's just setting, and yes, yes. He falls down upon his arrival. His servant comes to pick him up. Pahom's He's bleeding from the mouth. He, he's died. Final sentence. His servant picked up the spade and dug a grave long enough for Pahom to lie in it and buried him in it six feet from his head to his heels was all he needed. What is it about money that really does seem so sensible to place our trust in. It invites such a security, just a little more as such a, a reasonable allure, and then we'll be at peace. And then in the cruelest of ironies, the pursuit of it as, as our focus, as our goal, it takes our life. To be sure, we need money. Money does good and can do great good. But, but, but what is it when it becomes that singular focus of our anxiety or, or, or that which we chase or believing it is the thing that enough of it will bring the peace? What is it about money that our, our life's journey does not then look so different from Payholm's day of running? Run for your life. From the love of money, Paul exhorts. Now, Paul knows you can't simply tell people to avoid something. You've got to lead them towards something as well. Every parent and grandparent in here knows you can't just tell someone, don't do this. You also have to give them the positive vision. Do, do this. So we read, run hard and fast in the faith. Set your hope on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment and then be rich in helping others. Be extravagantly generous. There is the land that Paul invites us to run upon, yes. It's not a land where our consuming focus is to keep marking ours. It's a land we call the kingdom of God. If there's a goal in this land... It's not staking claim to more, but running to notice all the places God's already staked for us and for our enjoyment. And then eventually, if, if there's any staking to be done, seeing how many stakes we can do for another. Be rich in helping others, extravagantly generous. Paul's remedy to the constant temptation to chase money, to have our lives consumed by the anxiety of, of getting more, of getting to that elusive just enough. His remedy is ironically not, just hold on tightly to what you have, we'll make it through. His remedy is generosity. You want to know a piece about how things will or won't work out, a, a piece about my provision, a, a break from the addiction of running in that other way. 
Look unto me, look unto my generosity. And then let go. At one point, Paul underscores the power of this promise when he says, uh, you know, teach them to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. Paul's not oblivious to our need for a secure future, a foundation for our future well-being. But he says the foundation is not built by hoarding, chasing money as our first impulse, our first place of trust. He believes the secure foundation for our future is found in generosity. Imagine that. I mean, how often we think of our generosity, our financial generosity, our generosity with our time, our, our, our gifts. We think, yes, I know. I know nonprofits and, and good organizations of all sorts, they need my money. I need my volunteering for that good work to work. I, yep, 100%. I know the church, church needs my money, needs, 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 needs my time, my commitment, volunteering, needs everyone to be part of this whole thing. True. 100%, 100%. God works through us in the ways that we give, absolutely. And in about a week from now, uh, those of you who are regular attenders and members, you'll be getting information by way of uh, email uh, for you to be thoughtful and prayerful about how God is calling you to give of your time, your talents in 2023 through FPC as we put together a mission and, and, and budget for all of that. And I wonder... Do we, do we ever consider, it's, it's not just that all these great nonprofits or the church, uh, yes, they, 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 they need us to give, they need contributions, they need people to lean forward, all that, but also that it's we ourselves who need to give. Generosity is what it looks like to run for your life away from the anxiety and allure of money. It's what it looks like to run towards a rich life and helping others and building a truly secure foundation. It's a way of receiving a peace that is not that treadmill of just a little more, just a little more. Yes, our money, our generosity benefits others, absolutely, but goodness, our money, our generosity, it also does something important to us. Do we ever consider it's we who need to give? Now, that could be hard to believe, right? That's not natural for many of us. It's, it's a lovely thought to be generous, but, but, but especially not as natural in, in these kind of times, right? I feel this acutely myself. At the same time, if I'm honest, I, I've not known a season where the fear isn't real, yeah, I came into to ministry in 2008, and all the talk around the news, certainly the church I was serving, was recession and housing crisis and what's church, church budget. And then from there, the tax rate decisions, wars overseas, market tumbles, political changes, COVID. We can look back now, even in that, that, that window, and, and call certain, certain seasons, ah, the good old days. But I have looked through my old sermons that I've preached in all those good old days. 
And I see time and again where I wrote down significant reason that we were all facing legitimate fear and anxiety around money in the future. Would we really be wonderfully great with our money and generosity if the markets were perfect, our income was double, and all of our bills paid off? Money's not about amounts. It's about the heart. That's why Jesus and Paul honestly talk a lot about it. Even with small communities like the early church who have very little money and are living under an oppressive tax system from the Roman Empire. And goodness, you know, I think if we're living in a time when inflation's rising and financial fears are are rising, and this is all very real, wouldn't it be a gift if there were some hearts thrown into the mix of our society who were not blind to any of that, but but even so had had about themselves a, a peace, even a generosity? I mean, wouldn't it be such good news if right there in a land consumed by the sense of scarcity and anxiety, there were a a people and persons giving expression to God's abundance? I mean, would not that be a salve to anxious souls? Last week, as you saw from that video a little bit ago, Uh, A number of us were on retreat at Mo Ranch for the annual all-church retreat. On that Saturday, we shared a special lunch together. Instead of going to the main cafeteria at Mo Ranch, as as normally would any other year, uh, we enjoyed a catered meal from an exceptionally good Mexican caterer. I mean, fresh tortillas, fresh guacamole, the juicy grilled steak, chicken. Some of you are like out for lunch right now. (laughs) Oh, oh, and then the freshly made cheesecake just for us, different varieties. And then all of it set out on these decorated tables that were, that were individually done with centerpieces, handcrafted and made just so. There was so much extra food. We were able to give that to, to, the, to the Mo Ranch uh, kitchen and cleaning staff. Oh, they were so grateful. How did we enjoy such a uniquely delicious, fulsome banquet at Mo Ranch? A member of this congregation decided they wanted to make a donation that would ensure our luncheon at Mo Ranch was extravagant. Actually, the only thing this donor asked was that the meal be over-the-top extravagant. Because that's what God's love is like. That's what God is all about. Ours is a God of senseless, abundant generosity toward the anxious, the broken, the sinner. Use this money to make sure we get to taste just a glimpse of God's extravagance. I was at that meal. I cannot tell you the the sense of peace that came over that time. The shared sense of, oh, wow. This life of faith is real. We could taste and see the gift of God's generosity washing over our collective anxiety. And then then we walked again into this great, vast expanse of, of God's glorious creation there at Mo Ranch. And it was like God saying, and yes, 
the extravagant love continues. Cannot you see generosity is a sure foundation? Oh, that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear and taste buds to taste the abundant generosity of God and Jesus Christ that has been made known to us in our lives and is being made known to us this day. And that we might then risk running in that same way of generosity. It's not about amounts. It's about the heart. Go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage and so Take hold of the life that really is life. May it be so. Amen.